listening to Appreciate uh, I appreciate the hand signal there, there, dude. I, I can't hear the opening theme anymore. <laughs> but I'm like, where? What point are we at? But you did the little pump, and I know the song well enough to know when to jump right in. You know what, though, dude? I'm on a bit of a sugar high because today, I don't know if you knew this, June is National Candy Month. It is. Na- na- <laughs> okay. All right. I figured it'd be like National Barbecue Month or National Get Burnt in the Sun Month or something like that, but. All right, National Candy Month. Do we have to eat candy every day now? Is that what we need to do? Well, I don't. I don't know if you necessarily have to uh, eat candy every day, but do you know what Tennessee's number one candy is? And you know, I, th- I thought this list would be a little bit more varied, so it's not as crazy as you may think. I, I, the only thing that comes to mind would be moon pies, right? But I'm not so sure that's a candy. That's kind of like a disgusting cow patty with with like sugar on it or something. Yeah, I mean, we're always trying to get those over in Chattanooga, but they're they're not that great. No, it's uh, it's Reese's. Nah, really not. <laughs> it's it's Reese's peanut butter cups, man. It's Reese's peanut butter cups from Massachusetts, where I'm from. It's Skittles, which is surprising. I never heard anyone like be like I'm craving Skittles. I mean, people eat them, but. Not that talked about, but this is according to CandyStore.com. And a lot of it was just like M&M, Skittles, all that stuff. I'm more of a like Haribo guy. I'll take their gummy bears. I like their sour colas. I, I'll take some Sour Patch Kids, too. This was only a favorite in four states, which was surprising. And then Sour Patch Kids are kind of trying to compete as a cuisine. I don't know if you can see this on here, but there's a cookie recipe. And the recipe is pretty simple. It says one and a half cups of Sour Patch Kids and then one package of sugar cookie mix. They don't have like grandma's recipe. Just kidding. Are you <laughs> supposed to cook it or anything? Do you do, do, does it tell you to cook them or anything? Or I just go straight raw, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that, man. Can't do that anymore. When, it, when I was a kid, it was okay. It's not okay anymore. Hey, when Wayne Craig says, hey, guys, <laughs> heading through Chicago in a few, and now I'm off to listen to you guys. Hey, Wayne, thanks for tuning in. And John Piper says, good Monday to you, boys. Hey, sir, what, what is your favorite candy, though? Fireballs, man. Atomic fireballs were, were my thing. I don't, I'm not a much of a big candy person, but fireballs, I'd eat them. I'd, I'd one after the other till my, my tongue was just burnt and I couldn't eat anymore. Love them. Yeah. Absolutely love them. I do, the the, uh, I do that with the Sour Patch Kids, getting myself, getting, you know, getting the tongue all bloody, getting a little bit of injury. Yeah. Sometimes I tell my producer over at Sirius XM, I'm like, man, just be careful. I got a little bit of a Sour Patch Kid tongue today. <laughs> <Sour Patch Kid. laughs> they're gonna ban one thing though. If they're gonna ban one thing. They gotta ban that that butter popcorn in Jelly Belly because when you take a handful, is that the one it you just, hate? It yeah, is that your least it. favorite? Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Me is Mounds candy bars, man. I don't get it, man. I did the 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 the, the coconut. It's like chocolate covered sawdust. I always hated those. Ugh. Well, they need to put the almond in there. I mean, otherwise it just doesn't work, right? Yeah, well, that's Almond Joy. Almond Joy's got coconut and, or, or nuts and whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know. They used you, to have a cool jingle. I can't remember it, though. You know where you can get some candy? Pilot Flying J. This episode is brought to you by Pilot Flying J Axle Fuel Card, which provides the credit you need with fast approvals and money back. There are no transaction fees and no monthly fees, so sign up for yours at AxleFuelCard.com. Axle Fuel Card keeps fleets on a roll. It's subject to credit approval. And guess what? Terms and conditions do apply, dude. The terms and conditions and all you get you, brother. And you can't get candy there, but after your roller dog. You got to eat your whole roller dog, Duner, or no candy for you. Let's get to the headlines. There we go. What's happening in the news today? Hey, this is good. Volumes keep on rolling, right? They're up 7% year over year. That's the news you want to hear. The Freight Intel team reports tender volumes continue to surge Higher for the fifth week in a row, many markets across the country have begun to be filled with freight and capacity has gradually tightened across the USA. However, for the current volume level, 
We do believe capacity has been slow to react. Consumer spending data continues to impress and gives us hope for a strong recovery, dude. OTVI is down 12%. Is only is Now it's only down 12% from its all-time yeah. high in March. We all remember that freight cliff. National tender volumes have risen 2% since last week and more than 14% month over month. Yeah, the volumes just continue to to climb. You know, in the southeast and southwest, and those port cities have been really the source of a lot of freight over the past few weeks, right? But the west has cooled off a little bit, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes there. You look at some of the heat maps, and there's definitely a change in where those volumes are are coming from. But you know, as we have, uh, you know, how will the states uh, react to additional COVID nineteen outbreaks if that occurs? And and I guess when is what some people are saying, but. Uh, I guess Friday there were eight more states that were experienced the highest case counts yet. Um, but, you know, the curve overall does seem to be slowing down. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, PPP coming out, that type of stuff, or ending, I guess, at the end of July uh, could have some effects on it. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, overall tender rejections are up nearly 10% week over week. For the second week in a row, we're just five weeks removed from the lowest point in this series history. We all remember that, man. There was, uh, I mean, drug drivers spent weeks in front of Washington before, you know, all hell broke loose. And, uh, and at least we're getting some volumes back, right? No regulation needed. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. They're coming here, and it, 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 you got it. You got to love it, right? You're watching the U.S. markets, like I said before, they're they're changing. The truck volumes were really high in the port cities, and they were high from the D.C. centric like origins. And now it's kind of changing as the industries are are coming back online. You know, it, it's really good. And, uh, you know, I would expect that these uh, these volumes kind of stay pretty steady and and continue to uptick a little bit. I think we hit eleven five again uh, next week. Um, we'll see a, another another tick up. It's really acting very seasonal, like what has been happening over the last few years since we've been tracking OTVIs, and uh, the strength doesn't seem to be going away. And I'm looking at some imports that are picking up and that type of stuff. Uh, so, uh, Otri, I think we'll, we'll start to keep, we'll keep climbing a little bit and start coming back as well as some of these carriers get into their regular routes, et cetera, uh, has made that dip. But now that things are starting to normalize, those are going to start to come back up too. Well, that's good news. Uh, more good news. So we saw Shipper of Choice Award was that Freight Waves Live at Home, the virtual event to define the industry. Nestle Waters, right? We noticed that they had one, sh- they were in those shipper of choice, favorite shipper categories. Uh, they were in like 10 different categories, right? So we wanted yeah. to find out why. Linda Baker reports that every year, and this is pretty impressive, Nestle Waters U.S. moves seven, 790,000 shipments of bottled water across North America to make those deliveries happen. The brand works with a lot of carriers. They have over 300 carriers in their shipping company, less trucking companies, striving to ensure that each interaction with drivers meets the Nestle gold standard for carrier relations. Part of the reason for that is Ken Rogers. He is Nestle Waters' director of transportation. He says this, and this is a good goal to have. My goal is to get drivers in and out. That's everyone's goal from the transport manager to the warehouse manager to the dock coordinator. Everyone understands the importance of keeping the drivers moving. So it's something that they very much are impressed upon in their warehouse operations, the value of transportation. Good move, Nestle. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really that laser focus. That's one of the reasons Nestle Waters scored uh, one of the top 10 spots in the best of the best uh, of FreightWave Shippers Choice Awards this year. And sister brands, uh, Nestle Purina Pet Care Company, also made the list of uh, uh, in, in the in the shipper of choice as well. And Purina Pet Care has about 400 carriers in its portfolio and moves around 20, 275,000 annual truckload shipments, according to Travis Krauss. 
the brand's director of transportation, drop lots and quick driver turns are among the core features and objectives Purina has targeted, he said, noting that the company's practices match national industry industrial transportation league guidance for becoming a shipper of choice. The majority of Purina pet care facilities are drop and hook, so drivers can come in, drop their trailers, hook up, and leave. Yes, yeah, sponsored by Translow. If you're not familiar with the FreightWave Shipper of Choice Awards, recognize the top shippers out of over 400 f- firms that are nominated by FreightWave's readers on social media. The winners were announced during FreightWave's Live at Home, as we mentioned, that was on May 6th, and they fell into four groupings, which was the best overall facilities, efficiency, and availability. So all good stuff there. Uh, and part of the key to that is just that clear and efficient communication that was outlined above the uh, other story, we got to call Michael Lito up, but another story you want to check out on FreightWaves.com we, is the market watch on air cargo. Air freight rates continue to normalize this month on the main trade lanes from China to the U.S. and Europe as demand softens from the peak in mid-May, according to freight forwarders and airline analysts. For the full story, head over to FreightWaves.com. Right, Michael? Yep, do it right now. Do it right now. It's an interesting industry, man. We have got to keep watching that because it's still tight. I mean, you know, the capacity is still tight. It's 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 loosening a bit as that demand comes down, but it's still it's still up there, and and you know, prices coming down a little bit, but they're still uh, they're still pretty high. All right, let's call uh, let's call Mike Galito up. You know, where he's in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the CEO of Emerge. Let's get him on the horn here. Yeah. Ooh. Five, count of five, five, five two minutes. Hey, Michael Lito, it's Duner and the Dude on What the Truck. Thanks for joining us today. What's up, guys? How are you? <laughs> We're doing pretty good. How we, we talked to you, I think it was in March last time we spoke. It's been a few months since. Uh, what's changed in the world of, of Michael? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, from a freight standpoint, it's, uh, it seems like everything's just uh, roaring back at this point. You know, the, uh, the, the volumes are up year over year, and... You know, we're starting to see a lot of a uh, lot of activity, so it's pretty exciting to see. You know, I think the economy was uh, was a little stronger than uh, than we thought previous, and uh, seems like there's a big bounce back happening. So that's exciting. Yeah, we've been tracking that, and, and something that's come up, uh, and Michael Vincent can talk to this too. In in Sonar is just tempering some of the higher numbers because June is typically a pretty active month to begin with, anyway. But how different is this year for Emerge versus what we would normally see in a June? Well, you know, I think, you know, obviously with the pandemic and now, you know, there's uh, there's unrest in some cities in the in the U.S. We're seeing drivers that, uh, you know, don't want to go into certain cities because there's, uh, you know, chaos going on. So it's just a little weird. But, you know, seeing the volumes you know, that, that they've spiked and, and we're looking at uh, we're looking at a pretty big June right now. I'm just pretty optimistic. I, I feel pretty good about it. I, you know, I think that. Um, you know, looking at uh, what we're probably looking at over the next few months, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's going to slow down. So, you know, all, all, all kind of exciting things. Yeah, I was going to ask that, Michael. I agree with you. Volumes are not, and it's really nice to see the volumes coming back. Uh, it, but it, we bottomed in April. So you're thinking we're, we're, we're past it. We've hit the bottom. I, and I tend to agree with that. But do you see another dip coming eventually? Do you see where, you know, consumer sentiment, I guess, was up. We saw that on freight waves. Now, today, there's there's positive signs there as well. But end of July, PPP and that unemployment stuff starts to go away. Do we drop back down? Yeah. Right now, we're riding a wave higher than 218. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, I think that uh, I def- we definitely hit the bottom, for sure. Um, you know, as far as the dip is concerned, and, you know, it's concerning when the, when the PPP... Um, 
you know, when that money runs out and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with unemployment. But, you know, I think that uh, from everything I'm seeing and the volumes and it, it just seems like, you know, this country is pretty resilient and we're starting to roar back. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe a little dip here and the end of summer and then you've got your, your normal holiday kind of uh, your, your normal holiday volumes are probably going to be back. And then, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see it's definitely behind us, and you know I think we're we're in good shape. Michael, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the turmoil going on in some cities with road closures, protests, and those kind of things. Have you heard from any drivers or any carriers yet uh, blanking routing into those areas, or are they just keeping an eye on it? Nope, I've, we've we've definitely heard it. Um, you know the Seattle area, uh, you know definitely Los Angeles, and you know it's just uh, it's crazy times we're in. And drivers are, uh, you know, we see a lot of drivers are, are being as cautious as possible and, and you can't really blame them. I mean, you know, if it, you got the opportunity to take a load into uh, an area that, that isn't seeing any kind of issues, it's just a little bit more attractive than some of those cities that, uh, you know, are still struggling with uh, with what's happening right now. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I think, uh, you know, things are, Things are okay, but yeah, there's definitely a few few spots that drivers are just not excited to go to. Yeah, you can understand that. The load's important, but it's not not worth your 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 personal well being, your your life certainly. Uh, so I, you really can't blame them for for that at all. But Michael, when you, we, we're looking at uh, outbound tender rejections and, and and rates and that type of stuff, what do you what do you see in there? Are you see an uptick in rates? Yeah, a little uptick in rates. Um, you know, from what we see, uh, the rejections are are pretty low for the for the shippers that we right. have within our marketplace. So, you know, I think that um, you know, especially some of the larger carriers, they're just they want to keep their they want to keep the trucks moving. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, rejections are gonna. I think they're gonna uh, remain pretty low, in my opinion. Hey, Michael, we, we've been hearing a lot of businesses are approaching the return to work differently from one another. Um, how are how is Emerge going about it? Is Are, are any of the things that we, we, you learned during COVID going to stay in place or any of those changes going to stay in place or is it back to business as normal? I, I've learned that it's very hard to uh, comprehend what people are saying when they're wearing a mask. I, I think we <laughs> underestimated lip, lip reading. Yeah. I think we underestimated lip reading just a little bit, but um no, I mean, we're taking temperatures of each employee previous to coming into the office. Uh, everybody's got to wear masks. Uh, we, we just moved into a big facility, so we have the, we have the opportunity to be able to spread everybody out uh, pretty, pretty far. So, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's a different time. It's, it is obviously strange, but uh, we just got to do what we got to do to get people back in the office. And, you know, we definitely, um, you know, especially in this industry and, you know, some of the big brokers out there and trucking companies out there, you you kind of feed off the energy of the office. So it's been kind of rough, but it's, it's great to see everybody coming back and, you know, we're just taking as many precautions as possible. So the pandemic has changed quite a bit of stuff, uh, Michael, and even in your, your own work, your workspace, are you, are you seeing changes within like the, the shipper uh, carrier relationship? Are you, are you seeing any of those types of, or what type of anomalies are, or, or have you noticed in terms of the shipper carrier behaviors, I should say, and, and that relationship? Well, like I said before, I think that, uh, you know, the carriers, they want to keep their trucks moving. You know, they don't like uncertainty. Um, you know, so, you know, bid season was just, uh, just kind of completed as far as the first leg is concerned through, through 2020. And we're seeing trucking companies get real aggressive. You know, the trucking companies are getting aggressive and, 
uh, you know, they want to lock in as much freight as they possibly can. So, you know, I think that that's uh, something that, that's definitely changed uh, because of what's, what's happening. And, you know, when they, uh, you know, the, the, the carriers are doing that and they're, they're lowering their prices and, and hauling more of that freight, rejecting less of the freight. And, and I think that dynamic has changed. But then, you know, you also see even the drivers going into facilities and then they're getting, you know, their temperature checked and they've got to make sure that they're wearing a mask. So, yeah, things are changing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch. Are you seeing more shippers look look towards contract rates? Are they trying to get new RFPs out there? How are they handling it, or are they in, enjoying the spot market as is? No, I think they're. I think they want to make sure. You know, you said as far as the dips that that people are expecting July August. Um, you know, I think that shippers they want to take the volatility out of it as well. So we've seen a, a lot of shippers that are, um, you know, getting uh, getting these RFPs out. You know, putting out some mini bids and seasonal bids just to. Uh, you know, just to make sure that they've got their pricing locked in for, uh, you know, for a year or for six months or whatever the whatever the duration of the RFP is. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing shippers, um, you know, go, pushing hard to lock in what they can. Carriers are pushing hard to get locked into what they can, uh, you know, just to make sure that uh, they can keep the keep the truck moving, keep the freight moving for the uh, for the remainder, remainder of the year. Yeah, we talked about that, Michael. That's an interesting point that you brought up, the you know bid season and what you're talking about there with trying to lock in those rates. And I had uh, Jason Miller from uh, Michigan State University on uh, last Thursday on on freight forecasting, and we we talked about that quite a bit and and some of those dangers. Do you you think it's necessarily wise to try and lock in too low of a rate, or or what's going on here? You 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 see issues possibly in the future. That's kind of what we were talking about. Was this you know, this effect that it can actually have on your routing guide as a shipper once freight levels uh, or once that capacity starts to tighten, say holiday season starts to hit? Well, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the shipper and carrier relationship. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's some shippers that, you know, they're, they're good to their carriers and, you know, they, they work together in good times and bad. And then there's some shippers that, you know, they want to try to take advantage of every situation and, you really just have to navigate the, you know, the kind of the makeup of each of the shippers. And that's what we're seeing. So it, I think it's really just, I think it's all over the place, just depending on, you know, how the, how the shippers are uh, handling the situation and, and, you know, do they want these long-term relationships? Are they okay with, you know, cycling in carriers and cycling out carriers? And so it's really just dependent on the shipper. And I think, you know, it's all over the, you've got everything as far as the spectrum is concerned in, the, in that, in, in that end. Hey, Michael, before we let you go, we started the show talking about a, 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 a survey from CandyStore.com. What's your favorite candy, buddy? Oh, uh, Twix. I like Twix. <laughs> right, man. He's a Twix guy. You share? Do you share? You like the, the left yeah. one or the right one? Yeah, which one does Andrew get and which one do you get? Well, we cut them in half and then we... Uh, <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm a Twix guy, but I like Snickers, too. You know, Snickers. Good stuff, man. Where do people uh, go to learn more? Where where should we send them after the show? Uh, EmergeMarket.com. That's where you can find us. And, uh, you know, our marketplace is booming these days. So check it out. Perfect. Thank you very much. By the way, Arizona's favorite is Skittles. So Skittles, according to CandyStore.com. Okay, a little fruitier. Yeah, that was Massachusetts, too. So we got that in common. All right, Michael, take it easy, man. (laughs) Very similar states. Very similar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they call Massachusetts the the phoenix of the... um, (laughs) <laughs> well, Worcester, Worcester, Worcester is the Phoenix of Massachusetts, right? Uh, yeah, well, then you got or Chicopee over there. Like you ever hang out in Chicopee? 
<laughs> I have not. I no. have not. I, I lived in East Boston, though. Uh, you know, there's one of, if you like pens, if you're a pen guy, you, you want to know about pens. One of the biggest pen manufacturers in the United States is over in Chicopee. I've called on them before. Is that right? Yeah. Let's, let's Did you make... haul a lot of pens back in your day? Uh, good money in pens. Good money in pens. You get the right connections. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys, getting pens. All right, let's Door-to-door's talk to Door-to-door's pen salesman, Dooner. Let's, let's, oh, Ken Carter, this is a great day, ladies and gentlemen. I, Ken, were you in a KC3? Were you in a helicopter or something? I was, he has a, a thing on LinkedIn. I didn't have enough time to really look at it, but he was saying he put an RFP and he was celebrating the wins and losses. So he was up in a, it looked like a helicopter to me. Let's call David Bronstein. He's the president of uh, Together for Safer Roads, and they are trying to make the roads safer for drivers in the United States of America. He also had a market Hello. voice. Hey, David, it's Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we, How are you, David? I'm doing great. Michael Vincent and I, we had read your column on FreightWaves.com. We thought it was we thought it was pretty interesting, something we haven't highlighted in a while. But uh, what does uh, what is Together for Safer Roads? What do you do, and what is the uh, why did Together for Safer Roads launch this global leadership council for fleet safety? Yeah, so uh, we are a social business coalition. Sometimes we talk about ourselves as being a catalyst um, as well. So we're a group of companies that got together about five years ago to uh, get more involved in road safety issues of all sorts. We have a great group of companies that are that are participating, including you know the companies that were featured in the article, uh, like Tamsara and ABMBA, but we also have members like AT and T and and UPS and PepsiCo. It, it's an organization that was that's meant to bring the power of the private sector to the road safety community. And so, yeah, we're, we're, I'm very fortunate to be able to work with these great companies that not only have the right uh, values, but also have a lot of uh, resources to bring to the table. It's good stuff. So, it's good to see people working yeah. on that. It's obviously an important, very, very important topic. Uh, uh, yeah, David, but- yeah. So you you look to technology as a safety play for drivers, right? So can you speak to that a little yeah. bit? What kind of technologies are you looking for that would highlight the, uh, that you would like to highlight? Yeah, absolutely. So as a part of the Global Leadership Council for Fleet Safety that we were talking about earlier, we are trying to help uh, companies to acquire technologies like everything from basic telematics to forward collision warning systems to um, blind spot warning systems. Even in some sectors, there are uh, is importance uh, around uh, stop arm cameras like in the in the school busing industry. So you know, we look at trucking certainly as an important um, beneficiary of our work. But, you know, when you get into other verticals, there's certain technologies that can really help keep everybody safe. Hey, what are some examples of connected transportation solutions? And what does that mean for people who are hearing that phrase for the first time? Yeah, so I, I think connected. I mean, look, we're all connected in our daily lives. But connected transportation solutions really starts with that notion of telematics. So the, the vehicle itself has connectivity associated with it and you know how does knowledge of the vehicle itself and the, the operations of that vehicle including the routes that it's taking and the and the way that it's being driven and um you know even you know other aspects of how that that vehicle is being used whether it's driver behaviors and things like that those things can be used by the drivers themselves and also by the folks that help the drivers to be safe on the roads to, to really um, come back home at the end of the day, having done a good job 
for their communities and their companies, and but but to come back to their families. So you know, those are the connectivity piece is something we're all familiar with. It's just tied to the vehicle itself. So David, David, you talked about the the partners uh, or some of the people that you guys that you guys work with there, and some of those partners. Can you get into that a little bit more? Who those who those actual those partners are? And we talked about yeah. technology as well, but as far as infrastructure, our, our road infrastructure, that type of stuff. What's your play there, or, or how are you guys involved there? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned earlier the, the leadership council has many of our uh, members in it. Uh, those are companies like AB InBev and PepsiCo, AT&T, Republic Services, Samsara, Geotab, Calamp. It's a mix of both operators and technology companies and support operators. Uh, and and so those the, you know those guys are providing best practices and also technologies to um, to our fleet safety program. Wow. Uh, So in terms of COVID, you know, we're still not out of out of the woods in that. But is COVID, what has that done in terms of the number of accidents on the road? Has it improved? Has it made it worse for capita? We're hearing people are driving crazier. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I think it it depends on the the market you're looking at. But I think generally speaking, there is some acknowledgement that risky drive behaviors are increasing. So and this isn't a statement specific commercial uh, fleet, but. It is something that's happening, that there are spikes in terms of the, the rate of risky driving that's happening because the volume of traffic that's on the road, uh, and congestion is down. And so some individuals see that as a, as a way to actually uh, drive less safely. Uh, so, yeah, generally speaking, I think there's, there's a fair amount of evidence, and it's not just anecdotal, that there's increased risky driving behaviors right now. So the the less congestion makes kind of gives you give is kind of giving this this even if it's subconsciously a, a false sense of security right there's there's less risk out there so they're paying less attention is that kind of the play you're looking at yeah yeah well speed is a big part of risky driving behavior right so congestion you know is inversely proportional to to speeding and so you know you look at that and you say okay well if there's if there's more people speeding, generally speaking, that is not a good thing for for road users of all types. Wow. And I, I guess my last question for you actually comes from the comments is Tom Curry said, what percentage of telematics users do you think are really leveraging the data well? Uh, I would say it's less than half. Um, you know, the, the more sophisticated fleets are getting a lot out of that. Uh, but even, you know, the, the research that we've done suggests that you know, less than 50% of the market is even using telematics today. When you go across, uh, you know, sort of local, small and mid-sized operators all the way to the larger operators. So I think even for the ones that have adopted telematics, there's room for improvement. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is, you know, you can't manage what you can't measure. And so a big part of what we're trying to do with this Global Leadership Council for Fleet Safety is really highlight the benefits of telematics and other other technologies. We love what companies like Sensara and others are doing to not just make it about the, the GPS tracking, but also to bring other value out on top of that with the video analytics and the AI. And, you know, that, that has so much potential. We're just touching the tip of the iceberg there. But I, I would say that it's still less than half of vehicle operators are benefiting from, from the telematics if, if they even have it at all. 
Wayne Craig in our comments, he says, oh, people are driving more nuts. That's a fact. And he uh, he spends a lot of time yeah. on the road. He's over the road driver. He's been spending uh, he yeah. does a few thousand miles a, a week. Hey, how, people who want to learn more, they want they want to get together for safer roads. How do they go about doing that? Yeah, uh, they can just reach out to us via our website. It's uh, www.togetherforsaferroads.org. Wow. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you for your time. Oh, before we let you go, what's your favorite candy? Candy, uh, it would be kookaburra licorice. <laughs> okay, wow, he's he's going uh, he's going to the high shelf with that one. <laughs> Good choice though, David. You know that Snickers Snickers is actually New York's number one candy according to CandyStore.com. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, don't get angry, David. But we'll send people over to uh, we'll send people <laughs> over to you guys. Take it easy, dude. Well, hey, it was good to have him on. I'm glad that, you know, people are looking at that stuff. And, uh, you know, you would think with less drivers on the road, it might be a little bit easier, Michael. But we're hearing that drivers are just yeah. crying. Now they're just aiming for you. They have more room to speed up and hit you. <laughs> I guess so. I was expecting him to say that they were down, but it's due to the less congestion. But it's actually they're finding that they think it's up because there's less congestion and, and there's there's less concern there. And so you can just have at it and then you, you lose control, I guess. that That's interesting. It's it's the opposite of what I thought it would be. Uh, it's the opposite. And Kit, he says, is it also because there is less coaching and feedback for risky driving behaviors? I'm not sure. I, may, Wayne, do you do you, maybe Wayne knows he's in our comments. If he replies back in here, I'll let you guys know. But Wayne, are, are you driving crazier? What's keeping you from driving crazier? Maybe knowing why you don't do it will give us the answer to why people do. We'll reverse engineer well, if they, this if, behavior. If they were using if they were using the telematics correctly and to its full benefit, they would understand that stuff and be able to coach them, right? I mean, that's kind of the point he was talking about is fifty less than fifty percent actually use it correctly or use it for safer roads, right? Yeah. Hey, let's talk. Let's call Brian away. He's the co-founder at Refashion. Let's talk a little bit about the fashion supply chain. What's going on in there, man? I, I've done duty drawback, and we've talked about this before. We've always kind of wanted to do a program on how exactly the fashion industry works and all the waste that's involved in there. There's already some great documentaries on it, but one of the good guys out there is Brian Away. He's on the line with us right now. He's the co-founder of Refashion. Brian, thanks for joining us on the air, man. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Hey, congratulations. Hey. To it. I think you were, you just announced an anniversary or something on being a market voice on Freightways. I think your most recent article that I contacted you on was what, a, a year and a half, two years? Uh, it's it's a year. I think my first article was April twenty third of twenty nineteen. <laughs> wow! Well, hey, happy birthday! It's also Waylon Jennings' birthday, so you, we got that going on too. Hey, so yep. Hey, yep. <laughs> hey, Brian Michael Vincent here. Good to good to hear from you, my friend. I haven't seen you in quite some time. Yeah, Mike, it's, it's been it's been a long time. Yeah, it has. Sure. I, you know, when I when I saw this the refashion thing, I thought. Um, Brian Aoi and fashion, they're, they're not two things that mix in my mind, my friend. I'm, what are you I'm sorry to say. He is an icon. He's one of those people that if you if he had like a Lego minifigure, it, you'd give him the orange hat. You give him the black shirt with with something written in it in white and like a pair of he, He's got a look. <laughs> Brian, you got a look, man. I can make a Lego out of him. <laughs> so, so, so that's actually an interesting uh, co uh, comment. The, the name confuses a lot of people. Um. But but refashioned is really about supply chains and how supply chains in every industry are going to be transformed, right? So refashioning something, transforming something, taking the old and making something new out of it. But um, when people first hear refashioned, yes, for many of them, the first thought that comes to mind is, is a fashion, is a fashion fun. 
Yeah, yeah, well, you guys have a mission, right? And it's to invest in early stage startups, creating the innovations that make global supply chains more efficient. So how do you identify who to invest in? Who fits in with your mission and your cause? So the, the and, and, and to clarify, we're, we're still in fundraising mode. So all of this is still being, is still being built from the ground up. Um, but ideally, these are startups that are using software uh, and and uh, li- like in the article that I published uh, that Freight Waves ran uh, last week, they're helping companies that deal with physical things manage the, uh, those networks and connect with their and connect with their with their customers. Right. So it's it's more on the on the management of the information that powers uh, 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 supply chains, right? So these are, they're doing things like um, like next-gen uh, logistics, so optimization of uh, logistics uh, networks. Um, they're doing things like advanced uh, materials, so they're collecting a lot of information. Uh, the information is being crunched, and then they're making uh, suggestions about how that might be used to create uh, new materials. Um, advanced uh, manufacturing. So, how do you take information about a good and avoid making the good in China and then shipping it all the way? So, 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 three D printing, uh, uh, basically, what some people uh, uh, talk of as three D uh, printing, and then data. How do you take data and empower people to make uh, decisions that are much more aligned with what they want to accomplish? And part of that is how do you take all the grunt work out of the work that that data scientists do and how do you make that data more easily accessible to to artificial intelligence Wow, really interesting stuff, Brian. It, it never fails to <laughs> when I when I talk to you or hear from you that you're you're into something, into something very very interesting. It's good to hear you didn't move to Milan and 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 enter into the fashion industry. But uh, not you're a good looking you're a good looking guy. But uh, the orange hat's only going to go so far, except for hunting season. <laughs> and, and, but the the. <laughs> So, so <laughs> supply chains were were pretty exposed during the the, the crisis, right? I mean, there was a lot of things that were out, out out there that 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 failed, and we had this massive spike in demand and the preponomics, as Anthony Smith called it, uh, et cetera, and and the fragmentation of markets that are going on. But specifically, is there anything I mean that you see in the supply chain that is that is that is that is broken? Right now, what are, what are the what is the major failure? Is it is it just the information and having that transparency to be able to make it a live kind of living, breathing supply chain and be able to pivot? That's so. From my perspective, that's a difficult question, and I think uh, people who have a canned answer are probably oversimplifying things. I think different industries uh, face different uh, problems, which is what makes a, a supply chain so. Uh, so interesting, but at the at the very very base of the problem, the fundamental uh, problem is that the information that decisions and, and supply chains uh, rely on is not being transformed uh, quickly enough. Right. So when there is when because of the of the pandemic there was a spike in demand, no one foresaw that, and it's difficult to say if better algorithms and better software and better data would have solved the problem because this is the first time that something like this has happened, right? The entire world at the same time 
is encountering the same set of problems. And so I think it's difficult it's difficult to, to say, but the 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 ability to make the prediction that something like this is going to happen and then to plan and produce and orchestrate uh, where goods should be prepositioned in order to account for the demand that has been forecast. That, that, that definitely is probably the, the basic and fundamental uh, problem. Hey, Brian, uh, fashion and retail are two, especially retail fashion, are, are, are two segments that have been hit nearly harder than anybody by COVID-19, especially missing out on all, all that. There's already a lot of waste in the fashion supply chain. What happens to all these goods that yeah. have gone on, unsold and are out of season now? Is this, this more garbage for the landfill? Uh, and that's why that's why advanced materials is such an interesting is such an interesting thing to think about, especially if you know by 2050 there, there are going to be 10 billion people in the world. There are about seven and a half billion people in the world now. But yes, right now a lot of the stuff that uh, has not been sold is going to go into landfills. And so the idea, the uh, the reason why uh, uh, advanced materials is such an interesting thing to think about is can that waste be taken and turned into new stuff right can can clothing that would have been been thrown away be taken and turned into virgin fiber that can be used to make new completely new clothes not take the clothing that no one wants or the clothing that have been used and ship them off to uh, to a country in, in Africa and sell them as used clothes, but take them and turn them into fun, into, into something completely new. That's hey. the idea there. Um, yep. Hey, Brian, before I let you go to uh, Bobby Eubanks in the comments section, he says, are you seeing more RFID adoption? That's one of those technologies. I, I remember reading an article about RFID and how it's going to transform shipping way back when online and i believe like larry flint wrote it and it was in 2006 we still haven't seen widespread adoption of rfd but rfid but are you seeing more of it it's becoming in vogue again yes so rfid or rfid like technologies right so it's uh it's 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 tracking technology that's incorporated into into sensors and then these sensors are slapped on on goods uh, so that people know where things are at any given point in time i saw an interesting technology from um uh the university of las vegas someone was was talking to me about it in june of last year and it's essentially a very very thin coat of film that has uh, uh, electrical uh, circuits uh, contained in it. It's, it's like thinner than a piece of paper, and you 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 pre-program it with all the information about the good. It's stuck on the good, and then it it, it travels around the world. Um, and 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 interestingly, this is not exactly uh, related, but I. I <laughs> I heard a story on NPR about uh, a lab at the University of Texas in Austin, and they are developing a way to use thin films of, of material to store uh, uh, vaccines. And if you think about the problems that we're going to face in producing and distributing uh, vaccines for COVID uh, whenever one is discovered, then that becomes an interesting uh, proposition. It's easier to store. It's easier to to, uh, ship around the world and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is. We'll have to hear more about that as that technology develops. Before we let you go, uh, what's your your favorite candy, man? (laughs) What's (laughs) your favorite candy? 
um, I, I, I try not to. I, I try not to eat a lot of candy, but I say as as Snickers bars are pretty good. Oh, you see, you are right in line with the people in New York. According to CandyStore.com, <laughs> Snickers is the number one candy in New York. Snickers bars, deep fried, yeah. Yeah, Brian, deep fried. You got to oh, you batter them. That's a southern them thing, man. Bits and you deep fry them. That's the way to do it with a Snickers bar. That is some southern nonsense, man. Us, us Yankees don't get involved in that kind of thing. <laughs> I am a Yankee. What are you talking about? All right, you've been converted then. Hey, Brian, how do people uh, how do people reach out and learn more about Refashioned? Um, so, refashioned.com. Uh, it's, it's very easy. Uh, uh, refashioned without the E uh, before the D at the end. Um, and they can find me online. If they type A-O-A-E-H into Google, I'm probably going to be the only thing that comes up. Yeah, if you buy a vowel with that, you know, if you're a Wheel of Fortune question, they buy a vowel, you're all set with Winnie and Brian. So, 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 so someone actually cracked a joke once and said when they can't remember my name, they simply think of me as Brian Vowels. Yeah, just put a bunch of vowels down. <laughs> Start with A and you'll, you'll eventually get there. Right, exactly. Hey, Brian, we appreciate your time again, and we're looking forward to seeing you when we, when we start being live at events again and uh, and out in the yeah, uh, out on yeah, the battlefield, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you hey, Thank you, Peace and love, Brian. Man, you're pretty harsh on him about that hat. I do. I give him. It. He 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 dishes it out as he can take it. Oh, Trust me, he deserves oh. he deserves everything he can get. You know, I met him out in uh, a, a number of years ago out in San Diego at the uh, Trans Pacific Maritime Convention, and I met him uh, one day, and then I saw him the next day, and I saw him the next day, and I saw him the next day, and he was wearing the exact same outfit. And like the third day, I got to know him well enough. I said, "Are you, you need a place to stay, man? Are you are you homeless or something?" I mean. What He's like Emmett from the Lego movie. He's always got like the same outfit on, right? Well, at that time, he was like six months into a goal of wearing the exact same clothes. I mean, he had like 15 pair of them, but the exact same clothes every day for like a solid year or something like that. It was a bet he was doing. With it who? is stuck. Uh, did he lose a bet to have to do that, or like he? Someone no, told he, he was promoting it. his New York supply chain meetup that he was he was doing. He was promoting his uh, a, a venture he was doing at that time. All right, man. Well, that sounds like a pretty. I don't know. Was that a big? I was going to say what I, I thought. You guys would have met at Comic Con. That would have been a little bit more, uh, a little bit more amusing. No, no, no. But he's a he's a very. We've been good friends since I met him. He's a great guy. Hey, is Brian's a good guy. is Emily Zink over here? Little big deal. Little Emily thing? Zink. Emily Zink is here. She's got all kinds of things she wants to talk to you about, Dooner. She's uh, a little upset with you about this Chewy Incorporated thing. Oh. <laughs> Emily, what would you go to Comic-Con dressed as? Oh, uh, Sailor Moon. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. Probably, probably Sailor Moon. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. I love Brian's laugh. It's infectious. He just keeps oh, laughing awesome. and laughing. Makes you want to smile. I was over here just smiling with him, so that was nice. We have some good ones today, and Duna, you're going to start this one <laughs> okay. off. Chewy, which I'm very familiar Chewbacca. with. It's an online pet supply retailer. They said that the COVID-19 pandemic brought a demand stock, and that actually increased their Q1 sales by 46% year over year. But here's the crazy part. Chewy reported $20 million in extra fulfillment spend in the first quarter of 2020 due to inventory imbalances in their fulfillment network. Dooner, big deal or little deal? <laughs> Remember pets.com? I mean, it's got to be tough. Just the only thing they sell is pet food. And pe- like I have pets. You have pets. You buy pet food by the pound. Like by nature, pet food is really 
heavy. Like I get my dog like a 28 pound bag of dog food and then Amazon ships it to me via Prime. Or like for the cat, you get cans of food. It, it's heavy, it weighs a lot. Um, I just think that's a tough business to be in, uh, but it shows that how hard it is to plan for events like this. So, uh, little deal at this point because uh, now we know more. <laughs> I'm, I'm going little deal. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is what uh, a lot of a lot of uh, industries experienced during during COVID, and now they've got to figure out how to get all that back in line. But it will. It's going to come back in line. There's not going to be this huge, huge demand. Forty six percent year over year jump when you're not expecting it is. I'd be shocked if they were able to handle it very efficiently. That's a good point there. Well, we've been talking about this next story for a few weeks now. If you carry a gun while you drive your truck, you are not alone. That is according to a freight wave survey we did last week. We sent that survey to drivers, owner operators, managers, and fleet executives. And that revealed that close to 70% of the respondents from companies with 500 trucks or less say that they always carry a gun or sometimes carry a gun even when they're not on duty driving. Vincent, big deal or little deal? I, I, I don't, uh, to me, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a little deal. It, it doesn't come as a shock to me. I, uh, 70% sounds, it sounds right to me. I guess maybe living in, in, in the South for a while and I carry myself. So uh, I, I, I don't, it, it just, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. I, I think you need that personal protection sometimes and it also helps when people start to carry they've noticed if you talk to people who start to do it they become less aggressive because they know they have this responsibility and this weapon on so uh it to me it's a it's a it's a little deal wow i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna say that you're wrong i talked to ingrid brown who's in the comments here over the weekend and she was telling me this horrifying story that happened about a week ago. A driver was driving down the road and, and his window gets shot out out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. They still don't know who did it. It wasn't from protests or anything. Now, now, granted, a gun would not help this guy in this situation other than giving him some peace of mind. But, like, that's, that's going to be one of those frightening things. Like, if there's COVID, you're worried about that, you can stay indoors, right? If you're worried about a lot of stuff, you, can, you don't want to go to a protest, you can stay away from a protest. But, it, like, with that D.C. sniper, someone's just taking shots at you. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, that's not necessarily here or there, but I think it's a big deal in the sense that drivers are constantly put in a situation where they're not always safe, they're not always in environments they understand, and it would be good to have a law that protects them in case they have to use a firearm to defend themselves. It's not giving them the right to just shoot people. Yes, that is very true. Well, this is good news. Roadmaster Group distributed nearly $600,000 over a two-month period to its fleet of company drivers and owner-operators to thank them for continuing their service throughout the coronavirus pandemic. Vincent, is this a big deal or a little deal? It's a big deal. I applaud them. More people should do it. And more importantly, the sentiment behind this uh, this, this $600,000 needs to permeate the industry and continue to move forward in making the lives of drivers easier, whether it's access to things that they need, uh, uh, efficiencies at pickup and and drop off so that they can go out there and drive safely and, and earn a decent living, and just the respect that they deserve that I think has been brought to light during this during during this uh, pandemic really needs to needs to continue forward. Big deal. Eric Serta says uh, he just had a comment here. He said we need to remember that everyone is scared of different things. I would never get on a high wire or a trapeze, although we would like to see that. But some people who would, may never be able to speak in public. Wait, what? 
Oh, he's saying that some people can walk on a trapeze but can't be public speakers. Thanks for sharing, Eric. What's your favorite candy? Um, Roadmasters. <laughs> <laughs> what would you go to Comic Con dressed as, Eric? Well, we're just giving out pointless information. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Roadmasters. Road, Roadmasters, they, what, they doled out their $600,000 for the PPE. Yeah, it's good. You know, and, and the article talks a little bit about why it's good, and that is that it's harder for drivers to get that kind of stuff. They rely on rest stops. They have to pay a premium in pricing. So, you know, it, a lot of companies put a message out there, hey, you know, get your P- PPE, make sure, wash your hands, all that kind of stuff. But if it's not available to you and they're not shipping it to you, that's not really very helpful. Well, we talked about this next one last week. We actually had this man himself on What the Truck. Nicola debuted on the NASDAQ last week, making Trevor Milton a DECA billionaire and lending credibility to another major player in the electric and fuel cell trucking space. Dooner? Big deal or a little deal? Huge deal. You got to have, you have a, you know, despite how Elon Musk may feel about this, you do have to have a market. And I think the market is good for electric. We're going to see a lot of, a lot of vehicles shifting that way. It's cool to see another player come in, another American company come in. A lot of times you hear about the death of the American automobile. Then you got Elon Musk coming around. Now you got Trevor Milton. But the problem, the thing about him is he, he, and I've, I interviewed him again on radio over the weekend, and he constantly wants to put out there that this is not an automobile company. It's an energy company. And what they're trying to do is get the fuel cells and the energy into the market. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating story. If you read into this guy's story in 2014, he starts the company out in his basement, you know, and now, and now here he is on NASDAQ. It's, I think it topped out at like $93 a share. And now it's somewhere around 60 65 Still pretty admirable. Considering when it was Vecto IQ, this was like a $9 a share stock. Yeah, I, I agree with, with Duder. It's a big deal in more, more ways than one. It's a big deal just because of Trevor Milton's story and how he, he, you know, he failed five times, kept persevering, and has turned it into, the, into, into this. And it's also a big deal from the market perspective. Now you've got another company out there that's testing and pushing and will push Tesla as well and push the technology forward, which is good. Competition breeds innovation, which is good. And, and, and it's good because we, we need alternative fuel. And one of the big things, and Dooner, I don't know if, you, if, if, if we ever really got the answer from Trevor Milton, but when he spoke about the electric cars, not just the, the fuel cell, but the electric that they're building in Germany, he mentioned that the source for that electricity is exclusively, he's he's partnered with uh, solar and wind energy providers, right? So it's not fueling more uh, 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 demand on, on coal-fired plants, right? Yeah. Did you see their truck, too? They're coming out with their own pickup truck, the Badger. The badger. Yeah, well, you don't need yeah, no like stinking that. badgers. We don't need no stinking badgers. <laughs> Interesting nah, name there. I like it. Yeah. I like it. The honey badger. Great news. Well, this is a crazy story. The Miami Herald is reporting that at least 42,000 people remain trapped on cruise ships. These are workers we're talking about. And they haven't been paid. Some are actually still suffering from the coronavirus. And this is three months after their industry shut down. Dooner, or Vincent, this is for you. Big deal or little deal? I think if I was on that boat, it'd be a, it'd be a huge deal. I th- <laughs> <laughs> it would be, I would make it a big deal, I guarantee you. We have these, it sounds like we have these death ships floating around with 40,000 people infected with COVID dying and, and not being paid or, 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 or fed or anything like that. It, it, it's just shocking to me. We were talking about it before. How are there 40,000 people still floating around on ships, Dooner, stranded? How, how is this possible? I don't know. If this was me, I, I, you would never hear the end of it. Because I, I don't like the idea of going on a cruise ship to begin with. I'd rather just fly to the island and meet you there. So this would be like my first time going on a cruise ship. 
Then I'm stuck there for like 30, 90 days. I remember being fascinated by that story. Remember when the Hanjin bankruptcy, there was a artist commission that was on one of those Hanjin vessels. She was stuck out at the port for like 15 days, and I thought that sounded bad. But being on like 30, 90 days with, without getting paid on some sort of infected vessel that you can't return home and the whole world's kind of forgot about you, will you just, you just buoy out there at sea? It sounds like a nightmare. I feel bad for these people. I really do. Sounds like more than one attempt at stealing one of those lifeboats and getting off that ship. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we'd be swimming back. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's absolutely crazy. They haven't been paid. And then they're surrounded by people. Either they're infected themselves or surrounded by people yeah. who currently have the coronavirus. It's absolutely crazy to me. I, I feel like this might be a plot to a movie coming up in the future. We'll watch for that. But speaking of movies, the movie Jaws turns 45 today. Dooner, big deal or little deal? It's well, it's a really big deal. It created what is basically the, the summer blockbuster. You know, it predates uh, it predates Star Wars by a couple of years. It was a big film for Spielberg. It brought Bruce the shark into there. It, uh, it for a while, Jaws was actually kind of a joke in Cape Cod because it talked about a shark attack that happened there in like 1918. But recently, in the past couple of years, sharks have been back with a vengeance, and they've they've actually killed they killed a teenager just a year or two ago. Out in the water from there. They are back with Avengers, man. There's tons and tons of great whites in the Cape Cod area now. I'm I'm not even kidding. But the thing is, like, one thing about Jaws, it does tell you the power of media and the power of movies and and how things are portrayed. Because after Jaws came out, millions of sharks were killed. Millions of sharks were hunted and killed and almost eradicated due to fears that people had from seeing that movie. Yeah, it, it, it's a big deal just because it was part of my my my, my childhood. The, the actual movie turning turning forty five. I had no idea that Cape Cod was being inundated with with great whites. Um, oh yeah. Warning, uh, <laughs> this was no boating accident. But uh, the bigger deal to me is that you know when I was a kid, I couldn't go see this because this was like this was R man. You you now it's like uncut uh, just on regular TV. Back back in the day, the kids were not allowed to go see this movie. Really? I saw it in, like, my parents, when I was three years old or two years old, they took me uh, to Jaws 3D. The, the movie was, like, it scared the hell. It's a terrible movie, but, it, like, it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. If you watch it now, it's, like, ridiculous, and it has all those shots that are designed to be, like, you know, like a yo-yo coming at the screen or a severed arm or something like that just coming at the screen. That was a big part of Jaws 3D. It's, like, the most scary movie experience I ever had in my life. Then when I watched the movie again as an adult, I was like, wow, that was, there's nothing to that movie. What? Yes, you were two or three years old. That explains a lot that you saw Jaws in 3D. Would you take your young ones to see Jaws today? See Jaws. You're right. It does explain a lot about two or three years old (laughs) watching Jaws 3D. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just see too much too young. So they say. Uh, Would would I take? No, I haven't taken them to see the Jaws movies. I have Jaws. I haven't let them watch it. That's kind of my wife's call more than mine. I mean, I think the shark looks kind of fake, and my kids do know. We like we watch the behind the scenes features and stuff. So they, they they understand that movies aren't real. Well, yeah, that's a good part. As long as you start there and they have that foundation that this would never happen in real life. Unfortunately, it does. But the chances of shark yeah, can't tell them it would never happen. That would be irresponsible not. to say it wouldn't happen in real life, Emily. Yeah. The chances are very low that they would be somewhere. But yes, I mean, in South Australia, I know they've been having, I feel like news report after news report every week, they've been talking about great white shark attacks. So just don't take the family to Australia and swim off the coast there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, Eric Soda, he says his favorite candy is Chewy Sprays. Emily, what's your favorite candy? Dots. Absolutely love dots. Dots are Mike and Ike. I like anything fruity and chewy. 
What it, what I, would you say? Terrible dots? choice. Dots. dots. That's a, yes. that's a, do you know what the worst one is? Like that thing that's like receipt paper with the, uh, with like the colorful oh, candy on it. Off. Yeah. And you yes, eat paper. Yep. Yep. Little. I don't know what those are called. Those aren't dots. Like drips or something. I don't know. Nebraska's favorite is uh, Sour Patch Kids, so they got they got the right idea over there. Emily, what's coming? Yeah. What's coming up on Freightways TV? Well, as always, Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon, you could check out the Midday Market Update. And we're keeping everyone up to date with what is happening right now in the world of freight. And then we also have Great Quarter Guys at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Wednesday, put that coffee down. Dooner, who do you have this week? What are you guys talking about? Oh, okay, so I think it's that, remember that video that Kevin sent you about the guy? So this guy wanted to target a company. He wanted to target Heinz. So he made his own video. You know, telling like why Heinz, why he should be associated with them as a partner and his love of Heinz. And they would have their number one fan as a shipping partner and all that stuff. So we're going to have him come on to talk about brand targeting. It's going to be great. I'm excited for that. It's, it's an incredible video. So you don't want to miss that. That will be put that coffee down. That is noon on Wednesday. And then we also have Freightnomics at 2 p.m. And with Sonar at 4 p.m. So a lot going on on Wednesdays. Again, midday market update at noon on Thursday. We also have Freight Forecasting with Michael Vincent. And then on Friday, we are back here for another jam-packed episode of What the Truck. Ooh, KC3. He likes the Rainbow Nerds. I like the Rainbow Nerds rope. I don't know if he's had one of those, but that's good stuff. You can follow her at Emily Zink. That's S-Z-I-N-K. You can follow me at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R. Vincent the Dude. Look us up on LinkedIn. Continue the conversation with us. Follow Freight Waves. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freight Waves podcast and download Freight Waves TV app, right? Then you can watch all these shows in, in living color, HD. You agree, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, HD and not 3D. You know, not Jaws 3D. Not, come, not, not Jaws 3D. Not Jaws 3D. You ever I have see, to put my vote out for Atomic Fireballs one more time. Atomic Fireballs. Those are, are terrible. That and dots are like you. I don't know. If we go trick or treating, the good thing is you can have all of my dots and fireballs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a deal. Yeah. I'll give you all my Sour Patch Kids. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of cruise ships, you might want to take a cruise to the Bahamas, but if you do that, don't watch Jaws the Revenge. It's the fourth Jaws movie. It doesn't really hold up. It does, No, not, not not really many of them did. I mean, after they sang the little sea ditty there in the hull of the, sh- uh, hull of the boat in, in, in original Jaws, how can you beat that scene? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the movie. That is the movie. So uh, It's right there. Roy Schreider, too. Such a boss in that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The mayor, the mayor from just so much classic going on in that film. Well, hey, thank you everyone for joining us today. Having a little talk about candy and a little little lighter weight episode. I was kind of looking forward to one like this, weren't you, Vincent? Yeah, right on. We needed it. Peace and love, everyone. Yeah. Can't solve the world's problems today, but we'll be back at it on Friday. Boom. Take it easy, everybody. Love you. Play the music. Get us out of here. Send us home. <laughs>